Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football and produce apples and hair talking podcast. This is where you come when you want to know what the best orange is. I mean, you you, you want watermelons? What? Mostly apples. We, we focus on apples. I'll freely apples admit. Apples, too. I got browbeat with the... Uh, the Fuji call. Um, you, Honey you Crisp one. It. Honey Crisp one. Yeah, of course it <laughs> It's not even close. I didn't want to say that like Honey Crisp was bad. I just like Fuji more. But I gotta say, any green apples getting thrown out there? Come on, that's that's not even taken yeah, that, seriously. Yeah, that's, that, that, you put those in pies. That's what I rejected that hard. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by yeah. This is Big Kurt. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. And here's what I know. If we have conversations on uh, apples and hair, it's a sign that we just need live football to yes. start. Because their apple and hair talk will come to a screeching halt. Oh, immediately. Once, once yeah. pads are actually cracking so. on the TV screen. Let's hope so. so. All right. So we have got three teams to go through today. We have got the Maryland Terrapins the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah. But first, we got a little housekeeping items to work through. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. thought this one was interesting. Do you know who John Bacon is? Writer. Michigan, yep. like, guru, expert, writer. He's written books about Michigan, uh, Michigan football. He was on the Michigan Insider radio show, WTKA, 1050 AM, and said that Rashawn Gary was offered $300,000 to play football somewhere other than Michigan, and he turned it down to go to Michigan. He added that it was not Ohio State. So this got me thinking, Hmm. who could it have been? Hmm. So thankfully, we have these recruiting services now, 24-7 Rivals. So I went to Rivals and looked up his recruiting history. You know, you get five official visits, right? So I figured it's probably one of those five. Yep. Okay, the other four, Ole Miss, Auburn, Clemson, USC. I mean, we we know all about Ole Miss. Ole Miss, Ole Miss kind of pops out of the of the off the list, but well, but Auburn, Auburn hold on. So we know that Cam Newton was offered 180 grand to go to Mississippi State and didn't. So I always thought, well, then how much did Auburn offer him? And I, I mean, this is a whole podcast in and of itself, but there are fans and they typically seem to be from the southeast part of the country that just thinks this is this is the price of doing this business. is how things work right so then we know about usc and reggie bush now clemson we haven't seen any of this kind of stuff at clemson but, but I mean, there are a lot of sec fans that like to point out that Dabo should not act like he is you know the cleanest coach in the world you, well, you hear a many, lot of talk on that how how much you know talk about performance enhancing drugs how many guys have to get busted for that at clemson i mean there's they're not playing by the rules are they not completely. Okay. No. So who do you think did, who do you think offered him three hundred? You got So I basically had to choose between Ole Miss, Ole Miss, and Auburn, Clemson, uh, USC. Here's what I know: it, it was an it was a SEC team. That's what I feel good about. I think it was probably Ole Miss. I mean, they were coming off of having the Kem Dichi there, and he was the number one recruit in the country. Rashawn Gary was the number one recruit in the country. Do they want to keep that legacy of the defensive lineman going? I'm thinking it was Ole Miss. I could go with Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Quentin Cephas. Reinstated by University of Wisconsin. The wide receiver was in, you know, some trouble with the law for Quintez Cephas. Quintez Cephas. What did I say? I think he said Quentin again. Oh, I I did. I heard that, though. So, anyway, he's been reinstated to the university, but he's also rejoined the football team. And as of today, Wednesday, was practicing. Crazy. Practicing with the team. So, who knows? So, a week, week out, week and a half out. Well, they're working toward his eligibility. There could be some hurdles to have to go through there. So, we don't know anything more about that yet. All right, uh, Tommy Deanhart, remember him? I do. Was Big Ten Network. Now he's just re- reporting on Purdue alone. He has has uh, reported that Jeff Brom says Tario Fuller, the running back, is out indefinitely with jaw fractures in two places. Ouch. I don't know who's going to tote the rock for these guys this year. It seems to be a problem, <laughs> I would think, think so. for Tario Fuller. I remember. Uh, how's he, how's he going to eat? Well, he's not. Uh, Darren Williams, remember him, the basketball player for Illinois? He broke his jaw one year, and he was always overweight. Like, that was one of the knocks on him. He dropped a ton of weight quickly. I don't think this is a good thing. I'm thinking I kind of want you to pop me in the jaw once we're done recording. Maybe here. that's I what just, I need. I need to, yeah. But I, who's going to run the ball? Yeah, no, there it is. That's not the only thing that kind of has a dark cloud 
over West Lafayette right now. There, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of question marks that seem to be coming. Okay, well, let's talk about um, some AP stuff. Well, let's do that. AP preseason top 25 has seven Big Ten teams leading all Power Five conferences, six in the SEC, five in the Pac-12, three in the Big 12, and two in the ACC. Most teams ranked for the Big Ten in the AP since 2000. Is that right? That's a thing. No kidding. And the part that I like the most is that there are seven teams in the Big Ten and six in the SEC. Love that. Why? Because the SEC gets to play the same BS game all the time where you have enough teams ranked in the preseason. Right. And as long as they get through, you know, of course, they always got their patsy uh, uh, non-conference game late in the year. But for the most part, they're playing three non-conference games in September. Mm Mm-hmm. So as long as a good chunk of these teams get through September four and all, or maybe even three and one, sure. then they get in the SEC play it. Well, now they're just beating up on each other, right? With you know that that team's ranked twelfth and that we'll team's ranked. 16. So we'll see if that if the if the Big Ten do gets we, the same treatment. That's what I'm saying. Do well, we get to do we get to play by the same rules? And I'll play by the those same rules. Because if you look through a ton of the Big Ten conferences teams that are ranked, a ton of them have a shot to be. 4-0, heading into yeah. October. Oh, definitely. So, point being, with a, assuming a couple other teams fall down, there could be even more ranked teams up, and, and the Big Ten teams we're talking about here, higher rank. Then maybe just go through them real quick. Ohio State at 5, mm-hmm. Michigan at 7, a little bit of a drop down to Penn State at 15, Sparty at 18, which okay. I, I was kind surprised. of impressed with. Yeah, like, I'm AP impressed voters and surprised. actually maybe paying attention a little bit. And then, boom, Wisconsin 19, boom, Iowa 20, and then Nebraska 24. Well, and we're, you were talking about teams that could be 4-0 real early. Minnesota's another one. We'll Correct. So they could, it, it is a potential to have eight yeah. ranked Big Ten teams get in there. And then a couple other things, but Florida at 7, that Oof. stinks as a team that is not going to wind up in the top seven by the end of the year. Well, there's always, what, one or two top ten teams that – that aren't ranked by the end of the season, right? right. It's kind of a thing. Um, I am kind of – LSU is at six, although I think it's a touch high. I do see a lot there yeah, for LSU. I, I also have Texas Texas AM at 12. They get, they're mm. closer to Florida to me in the fact that I would definitely take a friendly wager whoever want to take it with me that they will finish under 12 as opposed to 12 or higher sure. by, yeah. the, by the end of the year. The Pac-12 does not have one team in the top 10. Oh. Who's their highest ranked, you know? Uh, I think it's Washington at, yeah. at 13. Or, okay. Um, and then the Big 12 with only three ranked teams, yeah. with one of them being Iowa State. Point being, sure. Iowa State has started the year ranked in the preseason once since 1978. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so it took a monumentous situation for Iowa State to have three ranked teams in the Big 12. Wow. So any Big 12 fans out there, that ever piled on Big Ten schedules, you can you can pound sand as far as I'm concerned. And I don't feel great about Texas. No, no, I, that's another team that you could no, point at in the yeah, top ten. Yeah, that it wouldn't be shocking. Oklahoma has questions that I mean, sure, that, yeah. square peg round hole at quarterback, sure. and then the ACC with two, two. teams. So I Clemson, it's Syracuse, right? And Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on, AP All American first team. Okay, <laughs> preseason All Americans, <laughs> seven in the Big Ten. Yeah, pretty good, right? Yep. Eight in the SEC. Now, I only bring that up because the ESPN preseason All-American <laughs> first team has only three Big Ten players and 11 SEC Could it players. be? I mean, there are just so many examples of bias that we can point out with the ESPN SEC combo. I just love pointing it out because I don't think people – I think they just – you know, just accept it. They watch ESPN because it's always there. And yeah, sure, of course the SEC is better. Of course, well, yeah, of course they got more All Americans. This is clear bias. Clear bias. And to go back to the AP a little bit because this this matters to me. I I you have to point at Alabama and Clemson out on a pedestal sure. on their own. No doubt. Georgia is close. I get it. Yeah. But I believe the depth of the Big Ten from teams. I would still say teams two to. 12, definitely teams like three to, you know, 10 or 11, I guess I should say. It's much better than it is in in the SEC. I think so. Yep. All right, that's it for housekeeping. Okay. 
All right, first up in our three-team pod is the Maryland Terrapins. Last five years, they have a record of 25-37, and 37, which works out to about a 5-7 and seven average. Had a high of 7-6 in 2014. Last year, 5-7. and seven. In comes Coach Mike Loxley, back to his home roots in the D.C. area. This is his first year. He's got uh, defensive coordinator... John Hoke and offensive coordinator Scotty Montgomery. Um, what are we thinking about Maryland? Well, there's a lot of moving parts here, right? Everything's new all across the board. New head coach, new coordinators. They're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. That usually takes a little while, right? Yep. You lose a lot of starters here, but they actually get more production back than it looks like if you're just looking at, at pure starters. And they fill some gaps. I love the Josh Jones or Josh Jackson pickup, quarterback from Virginia Tech. I think think people are overlooking him. Am I? I think I'm one of them. Why? He had an outstanding freshman year, and then he got hurt last year. Okay. So what am I missing there? I, I I'm everything you just brought up, all the parts. I think you said like every passing freshman record at Virginia Tech. Okay. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm part of the problem. I'm I'm underselling them a hmm. little bit. Okay. I mean, uh, still a lot of talent. We know they've been recruiting well, but there's just a lot. To put together here, right? It's kind of like a Franken team. You're trying to piece in it, <laughs> trying to piece everything together, and hope that, you come up with something pretty good at the end. This is crazy because again, we don't talk about these teams till we sit down. My notes that I have written down is locks. Just keep it together, buddy. Yeah, that that is. And where I was coming at it with is, you're new. Uh, you do not exactly have the greatest track record as far yeah. as. How what we're pointing out is his head coaching tenure at New Mexico State, which it, I think he won two games in two and a half years, and two or three. Yeah, he so he got in almost as many fist fights with coworkers it was, as he won football yeah, games. Yeah, you could have done an over under, you know, prior to his career wins, altercations, and and it would have been really close. So what we're getting at here is he he's, he has addressed that. I'll give him that much. Okay. I think he's probably learned so much from being around Saban, don't you think? So around much. Saban, and and we all learn from our mistakes. I think he, sure, he has true. owned up to that. He has said yep. that. Uh, yes, the time under Saban, but that is kind of my thought process. Is we're going to dig into the team here, and I think I kind of feel like we both feel the same thing for mm-hmm. this team. At the end of the year, this is the number one thing. Just just keep it together, and I am dead serious in that. Even if it's an awful year, which yeah. this has the potential to be for Maryland, keep it together. Right. So don't don't lose the team, I think, is number one. Like, even if things aren't going well, even if you have a crappy season, even if you only win a few games, keep them fighting hard for you. That's, and keep that's them believing. Right. That's yep. probably the most keep important thing. Keep the team thing. clean. Keep, you know, I don't want to hear about uh, fights in the staff, fights right. the offensive Absolutely. and defensive players attacking each other. I just want to hear kumbaya. We may be losing, but we're going to turn things around. That's it. That's what I hear when I hear from everybody. Now, a couple bits of bad news. We know about Jeshwan Jones. I almost brought this up in housekeeping, but I saved it for the Maryland section. We got another ACL Boom. in College Park. I mean, I can't believe it. Linebacker Darrell Nchami. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Nchami. Another ACL. So he's he was going to be in the rotation at linebacker. So you add their star wide receiver onto that. Also, Antoine Richardson, the safety in the Spring Blues ACL. What is in the water in College Park? That's insane. I mean, it's not the same stuff that's in State College, Pennsylvania, <laughs> but something's in the water. Um, I guess the if you really are trying to look for a positive, at least it's not all happening to the quarterback room. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, it used to be pretty much focused solely on the quarterback room. Now they're spreading it out to less important positions. If you have the choice between the two, yeah, you'd, ra- you have- you'd rather spread it out. And, and if you're, if you're uh, Josh Jackson, you're just, you're, you're praying to make it through the season. So let's get into the team. Um, are we, are we that sure that it's Josh Jackson and not Tyrone Pigram for, for quarterback? I've heard that Pigram is having a pretty good camp, but I, after watching him play last year, I can't believe it's going to be him. Because of his lack of throwing ability. His lack of ability to throw a football. Which is huge for quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, it's pretty big. So we're definitely going with Josh Jackson. And if that's the case, he's got a couple good running backs to hand it off to. Several. Yeah. Anthony McFarlane is a stud. I mean, that is a Absolutely. that is a one-cut runner gone. And as far as that 
analogy that if you're looking at for a running back, he might be the best one cut and gone running back in the Big Ten. That may be true, but then you got Javon Leak, uh, Fleet Davis, Harrison. Yeah. They're loaded at running back. They are loaded at running This is like back. a Minnesota-type running back room. But somebody that I think would have helped set all of that off as far as motions moving around is Jeshuan Jones. Him being yeah. out hurts. That puts way more pressure on DJ Turner and Dante Dante uh, Demas, and not to say that these guys aren't talented, but sometimes that, I don't know, that middle piece that, you know, the piece that kind of makes it work, I'm kind of mm-hmm. wondering if that's who Jeshuan Jones was. Well, it doesn't seem like they have a deep wide receiver room, even though I thought they were fairly talented in, as starters. So that was a, just an enormous loss. One guy that they have is tight end Chig Okano. Yeah, I had to look that. I looked that up on the Maryland website and did the phonetic spelling. Thing oh, really? To get is that, that right. so? Akano. Akano. Okay. Yep. So, so the, the K is the second K is silent. The second K is silent, I guess. So he is. Uh, he's another weapon. He's he's a good talent. Don't forget at tight end. Don't you know their other tight end? Yeah, Tyler Mabry. Correct. Transfer. Right. So they got weapons there. Yep. So they can maybe get something done. Points on the board. How are we feeling about the offensive line? Well. Really solid interior. Uh, they have three, all three interior guys returning, but you look senior, at those Senior, junior, senior on the interior. Yep, but on yep. the on the outside, sophomore, freshman. Yep. Ouch, ouch. Yep. Talented guy, the freshman especially, but uh, that could be growing pains early. So one would think with both quarterbacks being more mobile quarterbacks, right, they already have the better running game, lack of passing game in their DNA. Are you getting kind of a feel of much more of a, let's get the ball out of the hands of our quarterback. Let's get the ball to the perimeter in the running game in any way possible. I see a balanced attack here. Yeah, I do. I do not. Okay. You you just think they're going to pound the ball. I think to, I just, we're going to get to the other side of the ball. I I think to keep these games close, that's, that's what they're going to have to do. Okay. And and no, don't get me wrong. Their passing attack last year was bad. Oh, it's I, atrocious. I mean, it was in the team picture for teams in the Big Ten, maybe even the country, as far as how bad it Definitely. was. Uh, 80th in the country in S&P, and they could run the ball well. So it's another one of those teams that finished that low in S&P, mostly because of one, you know, one factor of the offense, which was how bad the passing game was. Mm-hmm. So, okay, move on to defense a little bit. So defense... All right, here's here's the positive. They're, they're, they're switching schemes, but they've got a couple linebackers that have transferred in. Okay. Keandre Jones. Yep, Ohio State. Yeah, and uh, and the other one is Shaq Smith. He was going to be starting at Clemson this year. Okay. He was slated to be the starter. Okay. They've got – now, out, outside of him, they've got Adam McClain, good nose tackle, a couple other guys. They, there's decent talent here. Okay. But they did lose a lot of starters. Good production back, a lot of starters gone. Okay. Um, I'm just not a big fan of – Transfers in. Okay. I, I especially transfers in. Now you've got a new environment, new coaching, and then you mix in a new defense on yeah. top of it. That's too much newness for yeah. me. On a defense last year, it's actually I was shocked when I looked in this. Their S P ranking was fifty first, mm-hmm. which which okay. blew my mind. I think part of that was because they did have some talent. Trey Watson at linebacker last year. Had a good year. And by the way, Darnell Savage, yes. high yeah. high uh, draft pick. Mm-hmm. They had a little bit of talent on defense. Some of that is lost. Um, I don't know. I don't feel. I don't feel it's, great about a a new coach coming in, especially when you mix in the the. Because I think a switching to a four three to a three four is amongst some of the toughest things to do. Well, instantly your linebacking core becomes really thin, right? Yep. Yes. But then instantly it kind of or a or a, up. or a defensive end is out of position because he's right. playing linebacker. Yeah. Yep. But then you got to find that guy, and I think they've got him. Nose tackle Adam McLean, I think, can be that that nose guy in a, in a three four, the big run stopper guy. Okay, two um, guys. So, and then the person that's uh, trying to bring this all together is John Hoke. This guy is he's a nomad. Yeah, uh, I looked up his background. He's got NFL. He's got mm-hmm. CFL. Yep. Uh, college football. He was a Florida co defensive coordinator. Then he was. The guy's been all around for cups of tea everywhere. Yeah, right. I don't know if I if I if I'm looking at somebody's resume that I want to hire for a job, and I see they haven't stayed at a job for more than nine months every time. Yeah. I'm kind of curious why you know they've been walking around. Well, to that be much. honest, I'm not crazy about both hires that that Locks made on the offense and on the defense. For Scotty Montgomery, offensive Scott, coordinator. Yeah, I mean yeah. he's got an okay 
and I resume. and and you know, obviously, I don't have time to peer deep, deep into uh, a, a coach's background. But from my general take off this, I don't see a ton of of work history that these guys no. have together with Loxley. It kind of makes me wonder, like he had a little bit of difficulty bringing yeah, the staff. Maybe together. that's true, but it's a lot has fallen on Lox's shoulders right now. But something to point out, I heard this either it was in a different podcast or something I read that uh, when Mike Loxley was and I and I I. I apologize. I don't know where it was. It wasn't Alabama. It was okay. preceding Alabama. I think maybe North Carolina. Was that someplace he was at between? I can't remember Illinois where he was. I don't remember. Okay. But went. anyways, uh, in his interview, he, with his head coach, he asked what his five-year goals were. And he stated, I want to be the Maryland football coach. Really? And his, and his head coach said, well, that's great. But right now you're my offensive coordinator. Whoa, so, right. No so I think if you're a Maryland Terrapins fan, you're happy to hear that because let's be honest, it's not exactly a destination school when it comes to college football, obviously right. much more of a basketball team uh, school, having your head coach that committed to the football program. That's gotta be a good thing. Sure. I think so. Right? As, yeah. as long as the university commits back to him. Well, and that's why if you're a Maryland fan, you just hope this works out for the first, like it looks pretty good the first two, three years. Cause you, you want him to be here for a while. You do. So in order to not get, you know, the annoying hot seat conversation going, mm-hmm. keep this together. Man. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Locks, keep it together. All right. Moving on to the schedule. What do you got for, let's go with curb stomp first. Curb stomp. Oh boy. Uh, Not the easiest schedule in the world. No, it's, we should start by <laughs> saying this is a brutal schedule. It is. I mean, you better curb, curb stomp Howard, Howard, shouldn't you? Okay. So they start out non-conference first three out of the gate, uh, Howard, Syracuse and at Temple. Yeah. So Syracuse is a ranked team that Dino Babers has got going. Yep. Um, you're going to get kind of compared to a team like Syracuse when you're at Maryland. Um, you know, not a team that's had a lot of recent success. Sure. Dino Babers has got it going. Hey, why not you? Um, I'm not feeling great. No, about I don't feel good about that game either. <laughs> Syracuse looked really good. Yeah. Most of the year last year, Absolutely. they got a quarterback that they got to replace. And then, okay, let's let's try to. Uh, uh, get our feet back under us. Don't go on the road when that happens, and that's what they have to do the yeah. next week going to Temple. And you remember what happened last year? Is Correct. They were, they were pretty much dominating that game for like two and a half quarters, and then just it flipped, and they got their asses kicked in the second half and lost the game. So really, the only curb stop option is Howard, because <laughs> I don't I see a lot so. of curb stomping going on. Uh, biggest game for me, okay. It could go one of two ways mm-hmm. for me. I'm not joking when I say this. I think their biggest game of the year could be Rutgers. Okay. Going and to Rutgers. Because if you are sitting, if you're walking in, so you go you go Howard Syracuse Temple, Penn State. I don't I don't feel good about that Penn no. State game. Okay. So there is a very real chance that you're gonna go into that game one and three. You better yep. win that game. Because if you are sure. one and four and you got beat by what is supposed to be the doormat of the entire Big Ten. Guess what? Things are already things oh, are already getting tense. Yeah, the, the, things are gonna. The wheels are falling off the wagon at that point. I I kind of I was thinking about Rutgers. I went Purdue. Okay, because I'm just kind second. of assuming. Well, not assuming. I think they'll beat Rutgers. If they beat Purdue at that point, you're setting yourself up for a pretty solid first year under loss. Now you now you suddenly have a chance at getting to a bowl yeah, game at that point. Definitely. I don't feel good. I'm not as confident on that Rutgers game. Okay. As as you are. That's why they play them. Yeah. Um, scariest game. That's why I have I have Rutgers also for the scariest game. Uh, that, you know, I put Temple just because, you know, you go sure. you go out of conference, you, you should win that game even though it's on the road. But man, Rutgers is a good one. Because you have to factor in the environment or the potential environment that is surrounding Maryland before they go into that game. Oh, like yeah. everybody, anybody that's a Maryland fan right now. And I understand I'd be doing the same thing. They're looking at the, the they're counting wins and losses on the sure. schedule and they're counting Rutgers as a win. Yeah. But yeah. But if you don't, <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord, that's what makes it scary. Right. Absolutely. Over under a set at three and a half. I think I'm kind of showing my cards here a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling under, I'm going over on that. Okay. I still feel, I don't love it like I did before Jeshuan Jones, before some other stuff, but I'm going over there. They 
I don't feel great about it. I mm. wish it was at four. I'd feel a lot better because at that point, I'm pretty confident on a push. Or I feel an under. pushy at four. Um, and we only went for the first half of the schedule because after Rutgers and Purdue, then it's mm. Indiana, Minnesota on the road. And then how about this for an ending kick on the schedule? Michigan at Ohio State, Nebraska at Michigan oh, Lord. State. Yeah, I mean, if you have, if, if you want any chance to go to a bowl, I mean, you, you got to do it by the end of October. It's it's got to be done yeah. by then. And the problem with a schedule like that is if you aren't close, if you aren't fighting for a bowl midway or you know even just a third of the way through the season. Sure. You start looking at the end of that schedule. Oh, yeah. Even as Your a confidence coach, starts going down. You're like, well, what's the point of even to win these sure. next two games? We're going to get curb stomped probably right. all, all the last four. So, all right. So that uh, finishes up the Maryland Terrapins. All right. Next up, we have got the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Special thank you to Ryan Seleski, my insider for insider info. Last five years, 35 and 29, which works out to a seven and six record. They're high of nine and four in 2016 to a certain degree, almost kind of forgotten about. Last year, they were seven and six. And of course, their quarterback or their head coach is Mr. PJ Fleck. Philip John Fleck. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Philip John. Philip Fleck Fleck. is, that's tough to say. I think I'd maybe go with PJ too. Yeah. PJ is the good call there, I think. Well, here's the deal we got PJ Fleck. He makes uh, a lot of waves. God, I. The, the boat references, just I don't even try them anymore. They just come out <laughs> naturally. But I, I say this about, about PJ. I believe he believes what he says. Okay. I believe he does feel elite. I think he keeps an elite schedule. He does elite planking on the field. He does I, that, I bet yeah. you he reads. Elite couples planking. Elite couples planking. Yeah. I bet you he does. He reads elite books about leadership before I, he falls asleep. I'm sure of it. Yeah. And I bet you in, he did a great job buying elite boobies for his wife. Yeah. Everything's elite. And I and I think he means it. <laughs> and picking out other elite qualities on said wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he is into his third year. Hey, speaking of boats, did you know that they took the oar off of the helmet? They did year? take the oar off the helmet. I'm applauding and PJ we- for doing that. Well, we we have gotten information that maybe PJ didn't want the ore off, but it was forced to be taken. This has not been substantiated, but if anybody out there really wants to prove it, I would like to know. But yes, the, and, the and ore is off. So the ores helmet. are gone. I don't know if, what the about sky the Skyuma, the the ore, what the, about the, the compass, nectin, all that stuff is still there. I don't know about the compass. What about the sextant? Is the sextant still there? Se- no, nectin. No sextant is a it's a navigational tool that sailors used to use. That was on a helmet. I don't know. Well, he had all kinds of other boat stuff on there. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that made that on there. Um, <laughs> all right, let's bring this back together here. So, we, if you are a Gopher fan, and we've got a lot of them that were that follow us on Twitter and comment, they are feeling good. They are feeling yeah, sure. confident. They deserve to feel good and confident coming into the season. Definitely, the way things turned around, which. It, things turned around two thirds into the season. Right. You know how hard it is to turn things around two thirds into yeah. a season. So I really, you got to give PJ credit on two things with that. Number one, he made the call at defensive quarter, and we're talking about him bringing Joe. And that's got to be tough. Yeah, like you said, he fired a really good friend, somebody that's been right. around him forever. Yeah, and this is another thing that you have to say: if you don't have a good culture in place where the players are still grinding hard working for you know their teammates and coaches you don't get that two-thirds of the year turnaround done you have sure. to have you know there had to be a tough decision and a good reaction to that decision both got pulled off which led to a huge win and it i mean beating wisconsin and getting the axe was really i mean it was one of the biggest wins in our lifetime for the gophers and certainly in recent memory i mean certainly last 10 15 years right? i think i think you would say that much yeah. now we've had fun with with pj on how big of a deal he's made out of the win yes. but most coaches would in that situation maybe not say that it's going to set him up for 30 years but yeah you make a big <laughs> deal out of that you should make a big deal it's a huge game yeah um but okay i th- i think their whole season to me comes down to the interior. How good are they on the offensive and defensive lines? 100%. Now, we love talking out of both sides of our mouth on, on Ice on Big Podcast, right? Especially me. So they didn't. They were not playing that well on the lines until they turned it around. Then they started playing pretty well. That's a good point. By the time they got to Wisconsin, they 
they looked really good in the trenches. Yeah, so let's let's start with the offensive line. Um I the general feeling that I'm getting from Gopher fans is that they are extremely confident in the offensive line. See, I, we were there in spring. What, what what okay, let me back up a little bit. Did you watch the Big Ten Network uh, bus tour on, from Minnesota? Yeah, sure. They raved about both lines. Correct. Both of them. They, yeah. they said it over and over again. We saw them in spring. That was the one thing I just wasn't that impressed. Uh, the overall footwork of the entire Very slow, offense. right? So my takeaway from that, you know, I mean, back to something we've already talked about in another podcast. Every time I watch, you know, something on a practice and a guy looks good, yeah. you think to yourself, wow, that guy looks good. And, of course, on the other side, you're like, oh, no. The guy looks the bad. Other, the other guy yeah. looks bad. So I don't know if maybe part of the reason that the offensive tackles struggled is because they do have two good defensive ends, which sure. we'll get to. But I just Maybe. know that the the footwork of the offensive line looked like they were in mud. I mean, they just look like that's someone you could really take advantage of with a, a decent pass rush, right? I think their best uh, – many people think their best offensive lineman is Curtis Dunlap, who's young mm-hmm. and at guard. And then at ta- one tackle, of course, we have okay. Mount Falele, Yep, who I do believe part of his blocking – uh, talent is just the fact that because he's so big, well, he's it takes defenders a while to get around him. Absolutely. I mean, the, his wingspan is enormous. He doesn't have to be as fast as a, as a shorter guy. And I can't remember if I brought it up in the other podcast, but when that guy walked past us, there was two things that I'll never forget. Number one, how gigantic he was. Yeah. Uh, number two, he was sweating so bad. Yeah. It, it looked like he jumped into a pool and it got did. out. I'd never seen anything well, like that. Well, and I mentioned he had the spiral sliced ham calves. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the other side, we've we've got issues on the other tackle. Okay. Yeah. So Sam Schluter is is the starter. Who was he, he was he a had liability a little, in, he, in he had past, a little bit of a turnstile approach to very his much. blocking last year. I mean, so. I, I expected it to be Jason Dixon. Yeah. And I mean, if they're putting Sam back out there, I just don't feel great. However, you you do have a dual threat back there now in Tanner Morgan. So I think that could be more of a liability if it was Anikset back there. But now that it's Morgan, he can move around a little more. So yeah. maybe it won't be as big of a deal. So that's your take on that. Okay. I am I got uh, uh, beaten up pretty good over Twitter by saying when, when Zach Anikset went down, I don't mean to say it was a good thing that Zach Anikset went down. No, that's not down. a good thing. I was trying to find a positive, positive in the negative, sure. which is saying maybe in the long term this helps out the coaching staff and the team, because now instead of having a quarterback competition, go deep into a camp, they know who their guy is. Yeah. It's Tanner Morgan. And it's can not like it's beneficial. a guy that has absolutely no uh, uh, experience. He's the one that was quarterback in the team, you know, when they went on the winning streak. That's um, true. So do, do, would you rather have Zach Anikstead there? Yes, I get that. And and by the way, the Gopher fans are, I mean, we're talking 95% of Gopher fans wanted Zach Anikstead to win the game. I, I, to win I the guess job. I'm just a, a or to, to win, win the, the job, excuse job, yeah. me. I guess I'm, I'm, because I'm not, you know, as emotionally invested, I don't know what Gopher fans have seen out of Zach Anikstead that makes them think he is just leaps and bounds better than Tanner Morgan. Am I alone on that or? I, no, I'm with you on that. I just think Gopher fans, uh, I, I think they understand that Zach Anikstead is the kind of quarterback that P.J. wants in the okay. system. Okay. I think that's what it comes down to. Okay. Well, if you're talking about a big arm, they got another one on the roster at Jacob Clark. Yeah, but he's only a true freshman. I but mean, he's he, got a big arm. He does. But so. I think not having Anikstead, I think not. Started a true freshman last year in Zach Anikstead. Hey, true. Yeah, it's true. So it's not it's like true. it's unprecedented. Hey, so, look at this. We haven't even talking about, haven't even talked about the best part of the whole team up to this point. The running backs or the wide receivers? You tell me. Okay. I was <laughs> going to say that this is the best running back and wide receiver combo in the Big Ten outside of Seabus, Ohio. Yes. Don't and you think? And it's close. It's darn close. Yeah, they're probably pretty the close to the Buckeyes. Ohio State's wide receivers yeah. off the charts. Right. But but if you put starters against starters. Yeah. I, I mean, it's up there. So I I don't even know. I keep changing my mind on who I think the best running back is in this group. Oh, I think I know who it is. Okay. Mo Ibrahim. So you're, yep. That's my guy. Mo's a good choice. I don't know. Um, I, I, I want to give Rodney Smith credit. He's, he's solid. So... I don't mean to besmirch Rodney Smith because mm. you pick Mo Ibrahim. I don't know. I've always been a Shannon Brooks guy. The style of his okay. running is impressive. Point being, now there's only one ball. Okay, like 
to a certain degree, having four great running backs or one isn't a huge deal if you can keep your one running back healthy. Yeah. If, if you know, if we were assuming all, you know, equal skill. But with that being said, it's going to help you to have deep running backs because you're always going to lose a running back. One yep, running back is always going to get wound down. But oh, by the way, if your running game is somehow getting shut down, you turn to the passing game. I mean, Tyler Johnson, I'm shocked he didn't go pro. I am too. Another thing you can point to for the culture and that he wanted to come back. And with as good as Tyler Johnson is, he, he does have a little bit of the dropsies. Does he's he have the dropsies? Bit, he's got a okay. bit of the dropsies. But I think Rashad Bateman's even more talented than Tyler Johnson. That's fair. I th- tell you what I'm excited about is their tight ends. After seeing them in the spring, Jake Paulson, Brevin Span, Ford, I think they're going to use the tight ends a lot this year. Um, that just adds to their arsenal that they have in offense. And you wonder out of them, I know um, Jake Paulson is bulked up a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. Can he can he help out in the running game if we think that sure. the offensive line needs a little bit of help or maybe helps out in the passing game? You mm-hmm. leave a tight end to, you know, to help block a little bit. Move on the defense? Yeah. A lot of questions on the defense. What's your biggest question? Up the middle. Okay. So, you know, we were talking about the lines and how – Big Ten Network loved what they saw on the lines. I didn't really when I was there in the spring. So then I just thought, well, let me let me see what pick six previous things. He ranks them 11th and 9th offensive line, defensive line in the conference. So they, his what he's looking at, closer to what we're looking at. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't take anything from those Big Ten Network crews, but I swear to God, part of it is just it, this way I look at it. You ever really loved a movie at some point when you went and saw it, and then you watch it again, you're like, oh, "Sure, it's not that great." Happens to me all the time. Actually. Yeah, it depends I, so much on what kind of mood you're in when you see I'm, that that's movie. That's the point I'm getting at. Yeah, you know, you know, I think some to a certain degree, you want to catch the the Big Ten Network crew on the on the front part of their trip. <laughs> well, before. this is smack dab in the middle after yeah. a pretty long drive from I think East Lansing. Was that right? No, yeah. no, it went East Lansing. Wisconsin, and then... Donardo. Uh, Donardo t- knocks him back on the road trip. You think so? That, that's my call. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, what, so what do you think he drinks? Classy drink. Like uh, By the way, I, I don't... <laughs> every time... A bourbon? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely something neat. Okay. Um, every, every time he's out in the field. I've used, I mean, I've watched everyone. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't all, watched all of them. I, I've watched I'm, everyone. Okay. And, he, started and first of all... The funny thing to point out is when they first started, they were out doing the drills and talking to the coaches. Okay. <laughs> the coaches were so busy coaching and they were not talking to Donardo sure. or T-Rex. So they just kind of <laughs> shit can that. And they just okay. explain the drill first. And okay. then they just kind of let the coach coach. So that was funny. But every time Donardo is out in the field, he's got his little bird legs and he's and he's got he's got flippy floppies on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pair of shoes on out there. So what do we think Howard Griffith drinks? I don't think he drinks. Really? Yeah, that'd be my call. I'm I'm just thinking a crappy macro brew. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. He's drinking Natty Light. Okay. He's taking it straight from the Zucker. Right. He's taking drinking advice from the Zucker. All right, what do you think about losing Blake Cashman? Huge. Yeah. Uh, if we made a we could we could do that too, but if we made a top five losses from the year before mm-hmm. for a team to to have to fill, I think he would be in there. He'd probably be in there, right? Heart and soul of that defense. Heart and soul. I mean, he was middle linebacker. He was outside linebacker. He was, you know, uh, uh, pro- uh, provided pressure on the quarterback in his role. I loved that guy coming out. And when he ran the 4-5 in the combine, I'm like, oh, my God. Well, so that's what I was going to say is then you find out, you know. He, he was, was a good athlete, too. He was, yeah, it's because he was an amazing athlete. So uh, speaking of amazing athletes, Kamal Martin at linebacker is an amazing athlete. Uh-huh. He looks like a deer running around there. Okay. I just don't know how much of a football, football player, player okay. he is. Looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. No, I'm not not to that point. Just just more of an athlete than okay. a than a you know enforcer. Okay, and you need an enforcer at lineman. Maybe Thomas Barber is the enforcer at linebacker. I was like Barber. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do like. I mean, the defensive ends are good to really, really good. Carter, Carter Coughlin. Coughlin is a, Carter Coughlin is a stud. Boy Mafe yeah. also very good. I thought both of them stood out at the practice we went. Yeah, to. it sounds like he had a fantastic spring. So I think you just expect to hear a lot of Boy Mafe's name this year. But up the middle, 
I mean, it's gone. Everything that was there last year mm-hmm. is gone. So they are putting, uh, you know, all their eggs in the basket on their defensive line to a certain degree to Micah do Treadway, who yeah. was the transfer in from Notre, from Dame, Notre yeah. Dame and then sophomore Jamal Teague and then another Juco. Um, there okay. are, there are pieces in place to have some depth on the defensive line, but it is a ton of unproven pieces mm-hmm. to move into place on the defensive line. And I just think an overall thinness in the front seven is what okay. I'm seeing. So um, you think there's, they'll be susceptible to the run. I would feel that that would be the part that would okay. struggle with them the most. Yeah. Okay. They seem more athletic than bulky, but, but, and I know if I'm a gopher fan, I'm like, but look what we did versus Georgia tech and right. Wisconsin, so that's what I which was, I get. I was just going to say is, you know, they, they were playing a lot of these same guys very well at the end of the year, but not Cashman and not up the middle. True. On the defensive that's line. a good point. But Joe, can Joe Rossi wave his magic wand again and make it happen again? And that wand definitely got waved. Um, uh, PJ Fleck has has ranted and raved about Joe Rossi's uh, freakish ability to diagnose things, like elite ability. <laughs> okay, definitely elite okay. ability. Right. A necton mentality okay. to breaking down film. Okay, um, so if that's the case, maybe this is just flat out a a young and upcoming defensive coordinator that will wind maybe. up having a Joe Aranda type of career. We don't we don't know that. Sure. Um, what could also be on the other side of it is offensive coordinators in the Big Ten will have a chance to look at what they were doing the last four games. Well, yeah, of the year. here's that. I, I I think that's a plausible you know explanation to sure. to what their defense could look like. Secondary. So if you are looking glasses half full at the defense in general, there basically was there was three different defenses last year for the Gophers. Okay. Defense number one was the defense that had Antoine Winfield Jr. Playing. Yes, for sure. Then Antoine Winfield Jr. went out. The whole defense I like went this. to crap. Yep. Then Joe Rossi came in, and the defense got fixed again. Because you look at their numbers where they wound up. S&P, 39th, even with that gigantic. That's amazing, actually. Right? So it's not just the end of the year that probably saved that S&P. I think the it was the beginning of the year, of the year sure. that saved the S&P, too. So now we've got Joe Rossi with Antoine Winfield Jr. My insider says, I love Carter Coughlin. Don't get me wrong. Easily the best player on this entire yeah. defensive uh, team is Antoine Winfield Jr. Wow, really? That's 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 the thought process. And it's interesting because you, you see him in person. He doesn't look like he's an elite athlete. No, I, I mean, he's not big, for one thing. He's not big, but he's also just not real ripped. No. He's, he's a little thick ankly, too. Yeah, a little bit. But he's tough. Oh, he's. I'm not saying. I'm he knows where saying to be. that is a good thing. Like, he knows where to be. He doesn't look like the elite athlete, but he plays like the elite athlete. His daddy was an elite athlete. That's for sure. That's true. Um, a couple other guys: Chris uh, Williamson, Keandre Thomas, um, younger guys, and then a very young guy, freshman Tyler Newbin, a uh, true freshman, has yep. come in at safety from St. Charles, Illinois. And yeah, okay, yep, and made a splash. Um, Again with the secondary, okay, I feel that this is essentially what each layer of this defense has. They do have the three-layer thing going on. They got like a, a big a big name at each layer. They got a big mean. name yes. at each layer. Carter Coughlin, for sure, yep. is. Uh, Antoine Winfield in the secondary, for sure, is. I, I think I can give that stature to Thomas Barber as okay. well. Yeah. But outside of those three, you can maybe just mix in four. I think they got four solid guys, but every other player on that defense has got something to prove. Yeah. It is just question marks one way or the other. Typically, when you start having question marks at the fourth or fifth spot, we're talking about depth issues. Yeah. Because you're going to have to play the frontline guys a lot to get the experience up, sure. which means you're not building depth. Right. So that would be my overall concern with the defense. All right. Let's schedule? Go. Yeah, let's move on to the schedule. So um, I would think, again, if you are a Minnesota fan, you like the fact that there isn't a insurmountable win that you have on the schedule for, for non-conference, right? You got three winnable games. Yep. So that is a good way of looking at it. This is my a little bit pessimistic way to look at the non-conference schedule. Okay. South Dakota State. You can't win that game. Is, yeah, is. their whole schedule is a can't win that <laughs> well, game. Yeah, at Fresno, you're, you, that's a – because Fresno lost a ton for all listeners out there. 
you, you're supposed to go and beat the hell out of that team. And what if they don't? You're supposed to beat the hell out of all three teams. Pretty much. Georgia Southern's next. But Georgia Southern, are they still running that crazy triple option? I'm saying it's not fun. I don't like this non-conference schedule. No, it's kind of scary. All. Right. It, it is just, for so for me, scariest games, I put all three. All three of these games are scary <laughs> to me. Do you, okay. do you, you, you just laid it out. Yeah. So you got the option and what the hell Georgia Southern's doing. You got to travel to, you got to go to the left coast. That's always tough to do, right? Body clock. Like Big Ten still is not won a game in the desert, right? Like it's just tough to do. Yeah. So, but if you lose the not game Fresno in Fresno State, desert. if you lose the game in Fresno State, it, you're, you're still going to get, you know, lambasted for that. Absolutely. So you have scariest game. I, I don't blame and, you. And, for and by the way, and then with South Dakota State, oh, dude, you lose. They're a, ranked fourth in the FCS right so, now. They they're a good team. Yep. I expect Minnesota to win. Don't get I me do wrong, too. but you want to talk about a derail of oh of, yeah of Gopher fans, but Gopher media. Oh lord, the media would have a field day if they lost to South Dakota State. I'm not saying I think Minnesota is going to lose to South Dakota the State. The strange Gopher media. Yes, that almost cheers against them at times. Just that's yeah, just something to deal with till you get to the Vikings. Right. All right. I have for scariest. Bear with me here. Yeah. Illinois, because they got yeah. their ass kicked by them last yeah. year. Yeah. And we just talked about how we don't feel great about their run-stopping ability, and that's yeah. what Illinois does well. That's true. I've got Illinois. You got a lot of you got Illinois for a lot of scary games. I don't know yeah, well, they play a lot of trappy games, too. Yeah, meaning they're the trapper. They're the, they're the trap, the trap. Yeah. yeah. They've got a bunch of those on their schedule. Yeah. No, I, I feel good about that. Um, all right, so next up, biggest game. A lot of different ways. I think you could go with mm-hmm. this. Let me let me hear what you got. Okay, I want Nebraska. Yeah, that's what I got too. Yeah, okay, because everyone's pumping up Nebraska. Uh, you got Nebraska's like kind of the sexy pick. Minnesota's the under the radar sexy pick. If you want to have a great season and compete for the West, that's where you do it right there. That game at home, you get them at home. So that is their one, two, three, four, five, six game of the year. It is extremely believable that Minnesota would go into that that game five and zero. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think they'll be favored to go. They should five be favored in all five games. So let's just that. throw out there that they're even just four and one going into that game. The fact of the matter is, if you get to five and one, or especially six and zero oh, by beating Nebraska, oh yeah, that's why it's such a huge game. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that is one hundred percent a jump ball for both teams. Um, and I guess did we do did we do curb stomp? I guess haven't we done the, over curb. Haven't stomp. done the curb stomp yet. Um, curb stomp. I have. Oddly, I don't know if this is okay. is is weird or not, but I, I have Purdue. I I could see them just thought about that because of the revenge factor. Revenge factor. Well, oh no, I'm sorry, Purdue. Minnesota beat Purdue. Minnesota, never mind. But that's I don't know. I just got this weird feeling that everybody's expecting that to get uh, fixed. Like it was weird that Minnesota curb stomp Purdue. Okay. What happens if they just curb stomp them again? Yeah. I, I'm in. I'm I'm not feeling great about West Lafayette. Things coming out of West Lafayette. Right okay, now, this is so. what I was thinking about revenge. Maryland is my curb stomp. Okay, they got stomped out yes. out east last year. That's pretty good. And Maryland, like this is too. this is the time to stomp if you want to do some stomping. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, then that gets us to the over under, which is seven and a half. That's a tough one. Well, I think we should just talk about the schedule overall, though. Okay, it sets up pretty nicely, don't you think? It sets up very nicely in I the mean, fact that you talked about how scary the non-con was, but you you're you're gonna be favored in all three of those games. Yeah, so we we kind of go all the way got into Nebraska, right? Which is six games into the season. Yep. Um, very plausible that they'd be six and zero, five and one. Then Certainly you got Ru- then you got Rutgers and Maryland, Maryland after that. I mean, and that then- is about as coasty as coasty can be. Absolutely. Before you get into. I mean, we're deep into October at that point. Well, and you get a buy before Penn State comes to town. Correct. And I'm I'm not, I'm not in love with Penn State. I might be more in love with Penn State than you. Okay. So, but no, I agree. But getting the buy before Penn State. One thing I would say is, um, I've seen a lot of fan bases, uh, Minnesota being one, Iowa being one, that are just counting the Penn State game up as a win. Yeah. No. Don't, <laughs> okay. Don't do that. Pump your brakes there yeah. a little bit. But yeah, then 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 shit gets real at then that it, point yeah. in November. We November got Penn State at Iowa at Northwestern and then an angry Wisconsin team yeah. coming in so at the end of the year. I could see this being one of those, you know, old school gopher seasons, Glenn Mason years where they're start they start out real nice, you know, six and one, six and two, and then 
it starts going downhill a little bit just because, I mean, it, it, it's so weighted towards the end here. Yeah. So that gets us that back to the over under at seven and a half. How do you feel about that? <sighs> over and over under seven. I'm going over on that one. Okay. I think, yeah, I see. That's a tough one. It's almost like it's Vegas hard. is good at this, you know? <laughs> that is um, really You could good. go either way. I'm going to edge towards the over here. I'm going to edge towards the over as well, mostly because of the front half of that schedule yeah. that we're looking at, um, I believe, in psychology. And if you have got a hot and and feeling good team, it's yeah. something around 6-1, and 5-2 and two even, at that point, yep. you're like, okay, I think we can get two or three more wins at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think they should really win. It, I, they should be seven and one. I think. I think it's very realistic. Possible. It's certainly. I think yeah, Vegas would. I think Vegas would would view them at being yeah. seven and one. I think so. Yeah. All right, that wraps up Minnesota. Last on this podcast is the Indiana Hoosiers. Last five years, their record is twenty six and thirty six, which uh, works out to almost exactly. A five and seven record last year, five and seven. Have they been? Five? Seems like every year they're five and seven. Yeah, doesn't that's it? Their five. That's, that's their that's, thing. That's their thing. Tom Allen entering his third year, and I gotta tell you, I'm a little high on the Hoosiers. I kind of am. Yeah, yeah. I th- this is a better team than last year. I think. I think so. Yeah. I think it's a team that almost nobody is paying attention to. No, nobody. Yeah, they're everyone's overlooking them. Um, one little thing that they did get some eyeballs on him was the, the new kits they came out with. Yeah. Like the kind of weird throwback Aquaman spear on the helmet. Yeah. So, and then did, did you think the, the, the color of the, the crimson, like was more metallic or deeper? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I I, I was, I've, you know, I rewatch games. I rewatched the Iowa, Indiana game. The kits they wore in that game were phenomenal. Okay. They had the 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 pitchfork on the side, but it wasn't the Aquaman pitchfork. It was the regular a, IU pitchfork. But then they had a number on the other okay. side. I always like that. White pants and the dude. I white I britches. That, yeah. Okay. I thought that that is. I looked at. It, I'm like, wait a second. That's an amazing uniform. Yeah. Right there. I don't know why they went and changed it. The other thing too. Th- so, Tom Allen's a fiery man, right? Yes, he is. Dustin Shooty. Gave him number one with a bullet as far as for the uh, for the Big Ten media days. Yeah, yeah, Big Ten media day presence. brought the most fire to the to the to podium. The podium. Um, so you're you're trying to make this culture to to be tough to stay Indiana yeah. play football here, right? Okay. When I was rewatching the Iowa okay. Indiana, they got a basketball hoop set up. In, in like, of course they do. Stop that! <laughs> but that like, in do the, not do that in the south end zone, right? And there's you, a bunch of kids playing. You can't be playing, playing a football game and have somebody doing pumpkin pushing out. In- <laughs> it's ridiculous. Pumpkin pushing. Well, I mean, that's good. I understand it's a basketball school, but I, it was like eight kids lined yeah. up to shoot. They're not paying attention to no, the football of team. Not. Like you got to get them to fall in love with the football team. They're not going to do it by shooting baskets. No, out in the football field. Well, they got like a right. mini football field down there too, I think. Okay. But apparently, they just pre- preferred playing basketball that day, or so would, as you call it, pumpkin pushing. Yeah, I would stop that right there. All right, so well, let's let's talk about TA a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I love the hires that he's made. Like he's, it seems you know since he started, he's he's learning on the job. He's doing the right things to keep things moving in the right direction. Love the OC hire. Love him moving Kane Womack into the DC position so that he can just be truly a head coach now. And I'm sure he's still going to have his fingers into the defense. Of course. That's in his DNA. Um, yeah, Kale, I don't know if the Kalen DeBoer hire is as popular with Indiana fans as the firing of the former offensive coordinator. Probably the firing is more popular, but I think this is a good move too. Okay. This guy has succeeded everywhere he's gone. So. We'll we'll start on the offense. Um, I think we'll just go ahead and start with Stevie Scott because he's really good. Because he's a load. He is a load. He's an absolute load to bring down. He is a load that can move and and make people miss. Um, and I just he's got a good attitude. Yeah, I, I, the, a great the, attitude. Definitely, Stevie Scott likes some Stevie Scott. That's yeah. what I picked out of uh-huh. the uh, the the Indiana thing. Okay. Which you know that's what you got with your running back. So. Uh, good wide receivers, right? Nick oh my Westbrook. Gosh. So deep in the wide receiver. They court. really are. To me, this is kind of like this. They mirror Minnesota offensively here in terms of roster. Very good wide receivers. I don't know. I don't very know, good. I don't know, but at that level. Very good running backs. A little bit of questions on the offensive line and a like an okay dual threat quarterback. I see what you're saying here. Yeah. 
I'm working. This is very, with you. very Minnesota-y. Um, Stevie Scott definitely is on par with Minnesota running backs. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'd put the wide receivers quite that oh, high. Man. I mean, maybe not as talented on the high end, but boy, they're deep. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, so I, I gotta give, I gotta start by saying I've got a Hoosier insider. Okay. He's on, he's on Twitter. He's Alex on Twitter at Hoosier Al one, one, one. So he gave me some scoop. Now don't forget about Samson James. That's their super recruit. Okay. The highest recruited yes, guy right. they've they ever stole away from Ohio state that they stole from Ohio state. And, uh, Hoosier Al thinks he can, okay. he can maybe not start, but he's going to get some carries and, and let's not forget about Cole guest in the running back room too. He's been injured his whole career, but feisty dude. Okay. Do we have the offensive line to, that's the, the big question here. That's the biggest question. We got, we got team. some returning tackles. That I'm not in love with. No, uh, so one of the tackles returns. Simon Stepaniak returns guard. One, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, but the but the other right tackle. Do you know who that is? Caleb Jones. Okay, this is the Daniel Falale of the East. Really, he's six eight three fifty eight. He's wow. a load. This is this guy's talented. He was a big time recruit. Amazing body. Only a sophomore, but they're expecting big things from him. But overall, is it fair to say we're not overconfident? In the Indiana offensive line. No, I wouldn't be overconfident. I mean, that's the biggest question mark of this team. Okay. I mean, Both I watched enough Indiana football last year to watch certain parts of Indiana uh, games where they just fell asleep. And I think a lot of that could be on the play calling, so I recognize sure. that. I felt a lot of it was just <laughs> push from interior defensive line okay. getting into the backfield, which then brings you to the to the quarterback position. So Peyton Ramsey. This one's really interesting. Okay. I was going to say. Peyton Ramsey is the returning starter. He yes. deserves the black bold letters absolutely for his name. But does he have a Penix laying across his forehead right now? <laughs> he might have a Penix, um, but he might have a Tuttle. <laughs> I mean, three, three really talented guys. I, to me, I think Peyton Ramsey is going to win this job. Everybody just seems to believe that's the case. Yeah. Um, now, who's your fans want Penix? They to want win. Penix, and they'd probably settle for Tuttle. <laughs> But yeah. the one they don't want playing is Peyton Ramsey. They're, I think Peyton Ramsey is one of those quarterbacks where an opposing team looks at him and thinks he's pretty dangerous. But the fan base that watches him throw every pass, yeah, there's there's too much inconsistency there to to fall in love with him sure. across the board. If yeah. that makes sense, yeah, they they just want more, but. Don't we kind of want to see what Peyton Ramsey looks like in the new offense? Like I would, I would think I would think so. So I guess if I'm an Indiana fan, if he does win the starting job, maybe give it a little bit of time to see what he looks like working under you know under the new offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I think you have to take that in consideration on the offensive line too. This is supposedly this offensive guru. Can he work with the line that that he's been given this year? Yeah. Okay. Who knows? Maybe he can. So moving on to the defense, um. You know, so somewhere between seven or eight starters, you know, kind of depending on what uh, publication you pick up. Sure. Um, some people might be surprised. I don't know. But S&P ranking of the offense last year, 55th. Okay. S&P ranking of the defense last year, 75th. Yeah, I knew they had taken Gave quite a slip. Just short of 30 points a game. I mean, it was something that Tom Allen actually addressed, saying yeah. the defense has got to be better this year. Well, they were really young last year. Yeah. And I think that's the best thing they have going for them on defense is they return most of the defense, a lot of production here, 77% of the production, and they're all a year older pretty much. Pretty much the entire team is back from last year yeah. except older, which is part of the reason why and, I like them. And on top of that, they add Juan Harris, yeah. the Juco guy. Yeah. Huge dude in the middle, 6'3", 350, which, I mean, that's something they were lacking last year. And he was somebody that was uh, um, centered or um, um, talked about on the BTN crew. Okay. Um, I can't remember if it was the crew or actually one of the other players that talked about him. Former Iowa recruit, by the way, commit. Yes, he was. Um, he, he flipped bounced from around Iowa. Juco, did all kinds of stuff. So, uh, But, yes, he is very much looked at. If he can provide – that sturdiness in the middle, that would be huge for this defense because, boy, did they get gashed on yeah. the ground last year. Yeah, and and I think they're going to improve even without him. But if he, like you said, get if they get a lot of production, this could they could take a huge leap here defensively. 
I think my overall uh, diagnosis of the defense is they have solid players everywhere. I don't know if I see too many stars. Marcelino Ball. That's but that's probably about it. Right? That guy's chili runs hot. Marcelino Ball, man, he, he he's feisty. Yeah, he is. Yeah, which is good. You need that, and I yep. and I think that probably you know that's something that his uh, head coach probably pretty much uh, likes very much. Um, another person that they are hoping is is healthy and and takes a step up is defensive end Allen Stallings. Um, he was gone last year. That is the person that they are looking for to be the pass rush. He's okay. been banged up in the preseason too. Pass rush has been a problem too. I, I would pretty much say the entire defensive line is the problem. When you are yeah. getting gashed on the on the ground and you're failing to get, to get a rush against yeah. the quarterback, it's not the combo <laughs> sure. you're looking for. I don't see leaps and bounds better from Indiana's defense with but that. I, can I see just him see being a top 50. Yes. Yeah. Yes, just move up. Yeah. Just just more consistent. More guys that have been in the program know what they're doing more. So top 50 defense combine that if they can get serviceable play from the offensive line, you can make a bowl doing that. That's a six and six team, yeah. pretty much by by definition, yeah. I would think. So let's move into that schedule. All right. Let's see if we can get to to a bowl game. Um pretty interesting schedule as it as it starts out. I feel like Indiana's gotten a couple of these uh early Big Ten games. Um for them they go Ball State, Eastern Illinois, and then Ohio State. So uh kind of crazy. Five straight home games to start the year. Ball State, Eastern Illinois, Ohio State, Connecticut. I take that back. That's four. But you get a chance to get to three and one. Um, for me, for the curve. Wait, stuff, chance to get three and one? Why is that? <laughs> I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. I don't either, but. Okay. What? So we're going to start curb stomp. Right? Yeah, curb okay. stomp. <laughs> do, do you, do you want to uh, fight me on that? Do you, do you feel a 4 0 <laughs> start out of the Hoosiers? I don't. I'm sorry. I don't mean to just immediately make it a win, but. I don't have confidence that Indiana's going to be. Okay. I'll say, I don't know what else to say. Curve snap, I honestly feel like you could pick from five different teams. I know. Here. Yeah. There's not um, one that just jumps out. You so got- here's, so I went a little bit off the, off the wall with this. Okay. I went Maryland. How about this? That's How what about, I have. That's what I wrote down. For real? Yeah. Okay, but I bounced so, around between five different teams. Yeah. You, you definitely, and Ball State, Eastern Illinois, Connecticut, Rutgers, Maryland. Those are all curb stompable. Correct. Absolutely. Maryland as my curb stomp is because that would make a big statement. That's kind of the middle of the year. If that gets them to five or if that gets them to six wins, we're, we're everybody kind I mean, of views Maryland and Indiana on the same plane. Sure. If they curb stomp Maryland, get to five wins, get to six wins at that point, that would be huge. I mean, you got to figure if they win that game, that's their fifth win. Yes. And they just need one more. After that. Yeah. And and it probably is going to be an upset because after that Maryland game, they go to Nebraska versus Northwestern mm-hmm. at Penn State, Michigan. I mean, and then at the Purdue big one is Purdue is Purdue. Yeah. Even if even if you're just sitting at, at five wins, you still got that Purdue one sitting crazy, at, at, which could be a big game this year. That would be nuts because because it has gone down to actually it's been a big game the last few years and Purdue has won it. Yeah. If uh, uh, Indiana would have won. The old oak and bucket. Any each of the last two years, yeah. we wouldn't be talking about a five and seven record. We'd talk about a six Correct. and six record and bowl games. But speaking of bowl games, crazy stat: if they make it to a bowl this year, it will be the fourth time in the last twenty five years. No kidding, that's it. Isn't that insane? It seems like more than that. I think we're like letting eighties, nineteen eighties, and I don't have that much memory of the eighties. My football. Memory basically starts in the 90s. I don't know why that's such a crazy thing to me. So that would include their 93 bowl game against Virginia Tech. That's going back to that one and only three since then. Crazy. It seems like more than that. But they haven't had a plethora of like one in 11 seasons. No, they're always hovering right around six and six, right? Just, you know, close to it. So that surprised you too. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, So biggest game. I mean, it's got to be Purdue, right? Yeah. Okay. That's the easy one. Okay. I went a little different direction. Okay. Bear with me here. Okay. (laughs) It's the third game of the year, and Ohio State has a new offensive line. I feel like you're taking a page out of my book with this. Okay. I might be. But, I mean, if you- Wait, you're going Ohio State? As my biggest game. (laughs) I thought you were going going UConn next, like- No, I'm going Ohio State. Bear with me. <laughs> They've got issues on offense. We don't know how good they're going to be. Okay. 
if you want to, if there's a time to beat, a, okay. So Indiana, their big thing is they can play with most teams, but they can't beat the good teams, right? Yeah. If you're going to catch Ohio State, if you're going to beat Ohio State, this is the time right here, week three. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the words coming out of your okay. mouth. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm summoned, like I'm trying to bring the college football crazy world in uh-huh. with what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just not seeing it. I'm, what, what I'm picturing is Ohio but State. If they is Ohio win it, State. won't that be a big win? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if they win it, you would, you would agree it's their <laughs> biggest game. Yes, I'm going Thank to agree you. with you. Okay. Uh, can't get that two minutes back. Um, all right. All right. So then that kind of brings us to scariest game. Um, I think you could go a different, a lot of different ways with this, but for me, I would, I I had Maryland as the biggest game, Mm -hmm. but I would also call that the scariest game. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same reasons why it's the biggest game. You're, you're viewed as being compared to Maryland, you know, the, the next two team, uh, down after the four team tier above you. So if you win that game, it's huge. If you lose that game, especially with Loxley being in his first year and Tom Allen being his third year, that's scary right there. This is a tough one too. Okay. Because you can go so many you can go so many directions on the curb stomp. You can go so many directions on the scary, I think, here. I tell you one thing you don't go is the biggest game being Ohio State, but that's just What me. if I go okay? All right, I'm going all in on this one. The scariest <laughs> one is Rutgers. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it's Kind of the same thing. I mean, it would be. Like, if you lose that game, yeah, you're not going to a bowl game. Then no. the chances of that are over. Because there's two ter- there's two thought process with that. Number one, you were counting that as a win. And number two, if you're not good enough to beat Rutgers, you're then probably you're not, not going to win another game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good. Kind of the same reasons I listed out for so, Maryland. But. To recap, my biggest game, Ohio <laughs> State, my scariest, Rutgers. Quite the disparaging between the two. All right, over under, kind of interesting here. Is six? I know. I mean, don't you think they would set it at five and a half? Yeah, I guess you probably should for looking at based on history, history right? right. Uh, it's tough to go over. <laughs> I six. would, I would push. I'd, I'd, I, I like to push, I, but, but it, I would go under if I had to choose. Yeah, over I'm, under. I'm, I'm a push to push under mm-hmm. if that's if that's a thing. But yeah, I'm saying, man. Okay. All right, so that wraps up the Indiana Hoosiers. That wraps up our three team podcast do you have anything else to add uh we're getting damn close to football we are damn close to football we're only by the time this drops a couple days away from real college football and uh by the way uh big kurt and i i know it's hard to believe but we actually have other lives outside the podcast and we all of a sudden looked at the calendar and the amount of teams we had left to do and we said oh shit we have to pick up the pace and record so we have, we we have a certain machine gun uh, 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 release that we've been doing with these podcasts. Yeah, we hope you find a positive in that. Maybe maybe you people like all these podcasts coming out like this. Yeah, it's gonna be we're gonna be hitting you quick here. Yeah, they're gonna be coming yeah. hard. So, all right, I am Jeffrey the Greek, and I'm Big Kurt. All right, thanks for listening. Uh-huh.